Welcome to Genuine Humans, exploring the stories behind the great marketing leaders of our time and hearing how their journeys have influenced the brands they've built. Brought to you by The Social Element, here are our hosts, Tamara Littleton, CEO and founder, and Wendy Christie, Chief People Officer. Welcome back to the Genuine Humans podcast, and I'm here with Wendy Christie. Wendy, how are you doing? Well, I'm a little bit excited, Tamara, and you know why. Is that anything to do with a flight to New York? It could be. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, I'm I'm beyond excited to have the fact that we've got the exec team. We're going to be going to New York and we're flying in various people from the American team and a few clients to celebrate our 20th birthday in New York. So, uh, yeah, I just can't believe that we're actually getting on a plane. And talking of planes, we are actually joined today by Jory Sachs, who is the head of the Innovation Lab at United Airlines. Welcome, Jory. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you. I'm very, very excited for this. And I'm also thrilled at 20 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's quite, it's kind of, um, I think it has gone really fast, actually. It's, I'm still in kind of slight denial that it's 20 years, but. uh, (laughs) Well, all fun things go by fast. Yeah, true. So, Jerry, I want to talk to you about your career because actually we first met when uh, you were client-side at Miller Coors. We actually sort of met at South by Southwest and got overexcited about all of the technology that we were learning from there. But could you go back a little bit further and perhaps share with the audience uh, your career journey up to now, how you got to working at the, uh, you know, being the head of the Innovations Lab? Yeah, absolutely. So my my journey is very non-traditional and non-linear, which speaks to who I am as a person and a human. And you will definitely learn a lot more about that for sure. I started my career thinking I'd go to law school. So I was a paralegal for a couple of years. And at the time, I didn't know that you could be an in-house counsel in fun industries like sports and entertainment. And I just thought it was litigation and it was healthcare and real estate and things that for me was just not sexy enough for a long-term career. And so I pivoted and I moved out of legal and I went into sports and I fell into sports truly after giving my two week notice at the law firm. I thought that I knew right away I wasn't going to be an attorney. So why wait? And that was That was serendipitous, I will say. It was very risky at the time. I don't know if I could do that again today, but I did that. And about two days before my last day, I actually received a call that I was officially hired um, by the Chicago White Sox. So for those of you that know Chicago sports, usually the Chicago Cubs are the more popular baseball team, but I absolutely am a diehard White Sox fan. And it was amazing to be able to get in behind the scenes. And that um, started my lifelong love and passion of building memories and putting smiles on people's faces. And for me, that's really what's taken me through a career across sports and then to beer at Miller Coors and now um, airlines. So all very fun, people-centered industries focused on the customer experience, the employee experience, 
and I've dabbled in roles across market research, event planning, sales materials even, to compliance, marketing and advertising, um, digital innovation with startups. And then when I moved into United, I focused a lot on the um, experience for our employees and what that means to the customer in terms of service delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a huge proponent of uh, putting employees first. If employees are happy and they're efficient and they have the tools and the knowledge that they need, they will in turn represent your brand very, very well. And so I've focused more on on that end and, and seven months ago, Um, had a wonderful opportunity present itself to help launch a digital technology innovation lab for United Airlines. So now I'm, I'm tinkering and I'm playing with really fun things. It harkens back to our South by Southwest meeting and it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I I love that whole thing about when you just leave a job with two weeks to find another one. It's, it's kind of, it it is hard to think that you would ever do that now as well, but uh, the, the, the folly of youth, (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. I look back and I think, what was I thinking? And I think it just, for me, it's just a very pragmatic approach. Well, I know that I'm not going to continue in this you know, field. So I guess I tell somebody and I just walked in and told my office manager that I've decided I don't want to go to law school. And, you know, I just graduated with a, with a degree and I thought, well, now's the time. And so I just, yeah, gave gave my notice. I was I was very um, naive at the time, but you know, honestly, I, I don't regret it because it really um, was the start of a, a fantastic career trajectory for me. So, had you always been into sports? Were you into sports as a child? Uh, believe it or not, no. Um, I can't say that I have an illustrious sports career like Tamara does. Um, You know, I was not very athletic. I was always the kind of cheerleader on the side with my friends, but I did go to White Sox games. I was aware of um, the White Sox. If anybody had asked me what sports team you were going to root for, it was going to be them, but I didn't follow. I more or less enjoy the environment of that and the bringing of people together and I also really love to collaborate and, and team activities. And so I, I was always driven to any role where I could work with a lot of people. I just never had that athletic capability, unfortunately. So it was actually never on my career plan to even explore sports. I didn't really even understand the business of sports. And so it just was an opportunity um, that was much needed at the time. I just kind of rose rose through the ranks there and, and just loved the the environment and um, the personalities and the comfortability of of being casual and focusing on fun and experiences and making lifelong dreams happen, which uh, we did quite often. I'm very privileged to say that's brilliant. And and what had been your well, I don't want to say a lifelong dream because there's so much of it left. But when you were a kid, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? Believe it or not, I didn't. And I think for for those who might be listening that know me, they probably wouldn't be surprised because the line that I use all the time is, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and and I don't think that I, I have to choose. Um, we have the luxury you know, nowadays to explore so many wonderful things. And I think as a child, I just love to do that. And I think I've managed to still continue to do it. 
So honestly, no, other people thought that I would make a good attorney. I think that was part of why I thought I might go to law school. And I always enjoyed helping others. And so whenever there was an opportunity to do that, I thought I would take advantage of it. And that kind of also led me to a psychology degree, thinking I might be a therapist. But I also decided to pivot away from that. So yeah, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, but it sounds like you've got plenty in your back pocket if ever you changed your mind. Yes, yes. Very, you need a little bit of insurance. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you'll have met, you know, lots of different people and in, in, in the various things that you've done. Are there any genuine humans who particularly stand out as having influenced you or helped you along the way? For sure. Believe it or not, um, it was at a company where Tamara and I met in Miller Coors And it was actually several women in different roles that I had had. The first was the the head of our legal division. Um, Her name is Kelly. And she was the one that hired me. And what struck me was she was the first person that really saw what I was capable of and hired me for diversity of experience and background and not because of a traditional expectations for the role that they needed to fill. And she had told me that she wanted to bring me on because there were certain aspects of the role that she could train very easily. And there were other aspects that couldn't be trained. And what couldn't be trained were more of the skills required to work with other teams and the understanding of the problems that other teams would have in the company to solve. And I knew that. And so she brought me in because of that. And I really, really appreciated her taking a risk and hiring somebody that didn't quite look or act like the others. And I would say another individual um, at the same company um, who was my, my, actually my next boss, her name is Delaney. And she inspired me to truly color outside the lines, um, both literally and figuratively. Um, She taught me how to whiteboard painstaking sessions of trying to help me think in pictures and to draw and to think about what's possible and not focus on the box that we had to to ultimately um, execute in. And that really, really um, inspired me and unlocked um, quite a bit of creativity. And I've been somebody now that now that I've continued on my career, been able to push others to think that way, which feels very strange to me to be the one doing that. But it really, really helped me. And I think that it shows that no matter what your natural inclinations are, there's always opportunities to to grow and to learn and be inspired by other people. And she really, she really helped me in that vein. So I really appreciate it. That's a really interesting notion that some that you can be painstakingly ta- taught to think in pictures. I love that. And so before that, is that would you have said you were not a particularly visual learner or no? And I still I still struggle a bit. I would say I don't think in pictures. Um, you know, putting together a PowerPoint presentation is daunting for me. Mm-hmm. I learn. I'm a visual learner, but when it comes to transferring what's in my head onto paper or thinking about truly what is possible, um, I have to turn that that switch on in my brain. It's right. an active 
switch that I have to make. And so I've always said I, I, I'm not a creative or a visionary like others, but I always want to be tethered to a visionary and a creative. I, I love the, the next step after mm-hmm. the creativity. It's the shaping and it's the figuring out how to bring that to life. And so I'm very much going back to sports analogies, very much a team player in that. Um, I can't be successful without being tied to somebody else because of that. And so for me, it, it really, it takes, it takes some work to do it, but it's definitely improved a lot of how I approach my work and how I approach people in just, you know, a, a handful of months to kind of get me to think um, in pictures and then to also transcribe that onto paper. I know that you're like such a, you mentioned about being very naturally curious. I think you've mentioned that to me before about that, that that's something, a big driver for you. Do you think that that is a learned skill or is that innate as well? It's interesting to talk about that, you know, the more visual approach can be, can learn, but what about that curiosity? Do you think that stems just from, from you? Yeah, I definitely think that being curious is much more innate. You're either a curious individual and want to learn and want to ask questions and want to delve deeper or not. And for me, ever since I was little, my favorite word was why. (laughs) And I think that's probably also what led me down the path at first of, of a legal career, because it's often misinterpreted as somebody that likes to argue, that likes to debate. Um, And for me, I'm more of a student of life. I loved going through school and learning new subjects. I love meeting new people. I want to get past the surface talk into, you know, deep conversation and I want to learn. And I think that that curiosity about people, about behaviors, about theoretical principles, you name it, is is something that I've always been attracted to. And I tend to focus more on that than the creation of of new. I still really want to understand today and and, and the why behind things and and maybe push the envelope a little bit on that um, and and seek unconventional ways to approach things. And, And that always starts with curiosity. And I know that we've also previously talked about your love of Chicago. Can you tell me, because I know that you kind of, you keep coming back there. You keep, (laughs) what what is it about Chicago? Well, I, um, I was born in um, the far suburbs of Chicago and um, I had an absolutely wonderful childhood through my, my elementary school years. Just the, the quintessential old trees, riding your bike, you know, for miles type experiences, summer camps. And I, I was very, very, very lucky to have been born um, in the in the area that I was. And I loved the change of seasons. Unfortunately, um, my family relocated to Miami, Florida. And yes, that's unfortunate for a lot of people. They think that sounds amazing and, and they, they want that move and they want to stay there. And, and why am I no longer there? And it was a, a fantastic seven years being exposed to various cultures and and having experiences that I wouldn't have had otherwise. But I have to be honest, you know, home is always Chicago. It's always in my heart. And it was always calling me back. And so every summer, every winter break, I came back to Chicago. My my grandmother was here 
and I would stay with her and I would reconnect with friends and I just uh, continued to fall in love with it as I got older and would explore the city, things that I didn't do as much when I was little. And so, yeah, I came back um, about 22 years ago, exactly, to Chicago. And I've been here ever since, although now working for an airline, I have the luxury of, of traveling a lot more frequently than most. So it doesn't feel like I'm only ever in Chicago. Um, and my family is predominantly in in the southern end of, of the States. So I do travel to warmer weather quite often. So let's talk about that that traveling and the impact on your your role because obviously you're at United Airlines uh, heading up sort of innovation and then lockdown pandemic and you had to adjust your way of working and start working remotely how has that been and and what have you learned through that time it was a very challenging time working for an airline as you can imagine being in an enclosed space 30,000 feet um, is not ideal for a virus um, that is airborne. You know, it was hard to be amongst team members that unfortunately were not able to still remain at the company. We had a reduction in workforce. I was moved into a different team because of it. There was a lot of um, struggles that we faced as a company, and we were very fortunate to have a fantastic executive team that knew that this was going to be temporary and really tried to focus on the future and how we could prepare ourselves for the inevitable ramp up, which is where we're at now, thankfully. But it was was tough. And and I was actually in a role overseeing food and beverage on board globally. So you could imagine the dining experience in the pandemic, no matter where you were, changed significantly. And to have to work through strategy that involved no masks and, you know, having employees that were having to be shoulder to shoulder, you know, maintaining social distancing is very tough in tightly enclosed areas, not just on board, but in our airports. And so it it was, it was very difficult, but we, we've come out of it. We're very much looking forward to, to much more travel and it's, it's already started. I've been fortunate enough to still travel throughout the pandemic. We've always had employees traveling. And so that's something that was really important for us to, to support them, to encourage customers to still travel. Our airplanes were so safe from a cleanliness standpoint. And we did everything that we could to make sure that we were providing a safety first, which is our core principle. And I know that and a lot of the time you were having to sort of work remotely. You, you said that you, you were able to travel a, a bit, but other people I've spoken to, and I know this was the case at the social element where we had that sort of forced time where we had to, you know, we couldn't meet in, in person, but we took the opportunity to look at the strategy of the agency and really kind of almost have a, a sort of a, a fresh perspective and just sort of jumping into a different direction. And did you find that being forced to work with your team in a different way meant that you could explore different ideas and, and ways of working? Absolutely. Um, Pre-COVID, United Airlines did not um, have a work-from-home policy, so that was very unique to us. It took a lot of adjustment. For some, I think it was it was positive. For personal reasons, you know, they were able to be home more, be able to take care of family members and 
provide more of a, a of an environment for themselves where they could thrive in better than in in the office or in the operations. But as as a company in general, we we really struggled with it. It took a lot of patience, a lot of open dialogue and communication, a lot of acceptance. Um, we learned so much about each other. Um, you know, you see where somebody you know lives, you know, behind them, which is great. It opened up you know dialogue that probably wouldn't have happened before, and it also allowed us to be more efficient as things slowed down for us. We were able to to pivot and start to think about how can we work better as teams. What will the company look like in the future? How can we better develop, retain, attract new talent? Um, and how can we approach the customer experience differently? Because expectations um, were already changing. Um, let alone with a global pandemic like this, we knew that some things we were going to have to immediately pivot to and and for the long term. And so there was a lot of transformation and reinvention and a lot of fantastic innovation. Um, and that's really what ended up being the catalyst for for the innovation lab and and my role. So I'm very lucky in that regard. Yeah, sometimes out of adversity. And, and I think when people are creatively squashed, you can come up with some amazing ideas. So uh, so my, my last sort of deeper question before we move on to the frivolity of the fast-paced questions from Wendy, I would love to know, obviously spanning your career, what are you most proud of? I would say I'm most proud of following my own path. I never really looked sideways to others and get any insight from you know, the choices that they made. For me, it was all about what was going to make me happy. What did I need to develop to be a better teammate, to be a better leader? Um, and so the decisions that I made throughout my career were, were always very selfish in nature because of that. But I can look back and say that it was a very genuine path for me. And it was something that because of that um, genuineness, I always brought my full self um, to every role. And I never felt that I had to put on a front um, for any role or any you know, manager or, or environment that I was in. And there's, there's a lot of freedom in that. And I recognize that not everybody has that ability to do that. And um, I try to do what I can to create an environment for that and encourage that with my team members. Uh, we talk about safety in the airline industry as being a core number one value. And safety is not just about physical safety, but it's about safety of the environment, of the conversation. And so for, for me, I, I wholeheartedly believe that we should all accept each other for who they are, appreciate each other, allow everyone to contribute. And I've always tried to to take on a career path that allowed me uh, to be able to do that and, and to bring others along as well. Yeah, right to be proud of that. That's a perfect answer. Lovely. So now on to the frivolity. We've got a few quickfire questions for you to finish up with. So let's start with what's your idea of a perfect weekend and do you have any guilty pleasures? Well, I hate to take from something that Tamara had mentioned, but I am also an ambivert and so for me, I want a combination of the social and also my own time. I absolutely love having first experiences. So whether it's exploring a new neighborhood or traveling to a new destination or 
trying uh, a new food. For me, I, having a first in a weekend is something that I always try and, and eke out. Ideally, sharing that with somebody, not not having a, a kind of singular individual event, but making it uh, be something that can be shared with others. But then I would be lying if I said that binging Netflix and having a cute dog next to me in some way, I don't have a dog, but if I could if I could paint the picture of a perfect weekend, I would have a dog next to me mm-hmm. binge watching, you know, some reality show on Netflix. So oh, you're in good company. <laughs> I, I love that concept of first. I, I totally relate to that and I'd never really seen it that way, but um, yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Also, maybe you need to sort of like borrow someone else's dog for a little while. I think you can. <laughs> well, I actually, um, on the side, I do dog walking and dog sitting. So pre COVID, I thought that I might get a dog and I thought the best way of doing it is to essentially try other dogs <laughs> out um, for different periods of time. And so I used to dog sit and, um, and dog board. And I've continued to do that now as, as more people are traveling and their pets have gotten so used to having somebody around, you know, they're, they're preferring more of that, you know, private, you know, individual looking after their pet. And so I do, I do that quite, quite a bit. And I, I love it. I feel like the equivalent of an aunt or a grandmother who um, just you know, that. Can, can take the child and and for all the for all the good times and then be able to hand it back. So I have the luxury of doing that with with a dog just just when it's cramping my my schedule um, and and my style or I feel like it's too much responsibility. It's usually the time for him or her to return back to to mom and dad. So mm, there's a couple of couple of weeks in July. I might ask you about later. <laughs> hey, hey, I work for an airline. I- I'll fly anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So next question. What advice would you give your teenage self? And it can be as frivolous or as deep and meaningful as you like. Oh boy. I would actually give my adult self probably more advice than I would give my teenage self, believe (laughs) it or not. You know, honestly, I think it would be to, to stick to the Spanish classes. I think knowing a second language is, is something that I, I often regret I didn't stick to. And I think as an adult, it would be so much harder for me to, to learn and be conversational. Um, I would say that. And probably, you know, learn how to cook. Mm. I'm a baker at heart, but not, not, a, not a cook or a chef. And, and so I think that had I, had I taken the time when I was younger with that curiosity to, to explore some some recipes on my own um, that might have unlocked a little bit of early creativity too. Mm. But I would be cooking a lot more, which probably would be a lot healthier. Well, I'm going to guess though that you know some good restaurants because that would be my next question is, what is uh, a great restaurant that you've been to or a favorite? I don't know if you've got one in Chicago or wider or tell me about your restaurants. Oh my gosh. It's hard to choose just one. I, I always say it depends on my mood. Um, because in, in Chicago, we have such a variety of cuisines. And so, you know, I have the favorite Greek restaurant, Italian restaurant, even, you know, Cuban restaurant. And so for me, it ends up being a question, not of the, the favorite place to go to, but what, what's the cuisine yeah, yeah. that I want first, um, which is fantastic to, to be able to say. And it's probably part of the reason why I haven't left Chicago um, is because of that. But, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that there's one necessarily. There's quite a bit of favorites as I've traveled that I would say would bring me back to a city. Um, I have a, a favorite dining in the dark restaurant in Paris that oh, I yeah. experienced 
that is run by um, visually impaired owners and staff, which I love. There was a fantastic bar in Japan. No menus. Every cocktail is personalized. Oh, wow. It, yes, you you share what what aromas you like, what liquors you like, you know, sweet, salty, spicy, and every single drink is made personalized with a unique drinking vessel from it. So I, I just love, again, that experience um, of it. And it's always a first whenever you go. So I love, I love those types of adventures. Yeah, it is, it is going back to that, that first and that experience. So there's an amazing restaurant in uh, Belfast, which I can't remember the name of it at, at the moment, but the concept is you choose your wine and then they pair the food to the wine uh, with a real emphasis on cheese. So it's kind of, you know, they just, and yeah, I just love that kind of experience. So have you got a bucket list? Are you kind of person who's got a bucket list? And, and if so, have you got anything still on the list that you'd like to share? I, I, I do. Um, I've had a bucket list for many years. Some very, very simple things that I've been able to check off, like carving a pumpkin that I never did when I was little. I did as an adult. You know, I've never been to Disneyland. There's a longstanding family history to that, even though I lived in Florida. Never got to Disney World or Disneyland. I would love to eventually meet Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so that is on my bucket list. But I'm, I know that I can do it at any time. So I'm kind of preparing myself because I will have to get ears with my name on it. I will have to be, you know, I'll have to have a photographer probably with me taking photos because I will want to to meet all of the different characters. Um, I will definitely turn into a child there. One thing that is um, a combination of my love for animals and travel is I would like to see a polar bear in the wild. Wow. That's my favorite animal. And I have been a, a zoo parent um, to several polar bears over the years. And just polar bear conservation is really important to me. And so I would love to to finally get to see one in the wild. It takes a bit of a trek in order to get to the remote areas, but but that is definitely a, a, a major bucket list opportunity for me in the future. That's, That's amazing. One. Yeah, I think I'd be quite scared to see a polar bear in the wild. That's part of the fun. Well, I guess so, yeah. There's a, a wildlife park not too far from where I live. I'm in the north of Scotland, and they have polar, a couple of polar bears there. But it's not in the wild. It's not the same thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think this extra hour, but if, if Tamara and I could give you an extra hour, what would you do with it? It's not going to get you to Disney World or to a polar bear, but there might be something slightly lower key you can do. Honestly, if I had an extra hour, I would probably give back, volunteer in some way. I love to volunteer in my community, supporting um, several nonprofits. And I feel like there's never enough time to be able to, to give back. And I would, I would absolutely roll up my sleeves and, and do something to support the Chicago community or nonprofits that, that are local, uh, for sure. Are there particular nonprofits that you're especially keen on? Well, anything that has to do with, you know, the underprivileged, underserved communities. I've done a lot of career counseling and coaching and development in that space. Um, I have the last several years been a guide for a nonprofit called Musicians on Call that performs bedside performances. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, I don't know how to play guitar or, or sing well. But I, I'm a great facilitator and, and guide to making that happen. And, and that's been wonderful. We've taken that virtually uh, because of the pandemic. 
And I am going through training for the Make-A-Wish Foundation to be a wish grantor. So I'm very, very excited about, about that. Well, that sounds perfect for you. So how, do you, how would your friends describe you? My friends would describe me as dependable, sarcastic, <laughs> curious, because I ask them endless questions usually, probably a good listener, always up for an adventure. And I would say, I would hope they would say that I'm also funny and in, inspiring in some way. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that pretty much sums me up. And I think it's, it's pretty accurate. Sounds like a perfect way to be described. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned not necessarily being um, that you're singing, but karaoke. Do you do karaoke? Do you have a go-to song? Are you a group singer? Oh, I will I will go at it alone or in groups. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm very jealous that, that you have a stage in your home from, oh, no. from listening to your, your podcast. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I have a go-to song alone, which is um, Salt and Pepper, Shoot. Um, oh, so a bit of a rap. So you're going to go push it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. And, you know, I, I love a good I Got You Babe duo, mm-hmm. Sunny nice. and Cher. Sometimes it can be difficult to get somebody else to, to do it with me. And, and usually I'm successful. Um, it takes a lot of convincing, but I will pretty much sing anything with a group for sure. I don't mind the being on stage and being the center of attention as long as it's for a short period of time yeah, yeah. and then I can fall back behind the scenes. So, and then you can watch Netflix the next day to recover. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and I definitely don't ever want to see a replay. So anyone that records <laughs> me singing, I never want to watch that. Um, I want to be in the moment and then I want the moment to pass. <laughs> <It's karaoke. laughs> That's perfect. So we come to the, to the end of the podcast and I just want to, say a huge thank you for coming on because we've been wanting you to come on uh, as a guest for for a while now so thank you for agreeing to this and I'll give you the opportunity to just is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to just sort of share or any closing thoughts well as much as I hate to end this I'd at least like to say that I wish more people were comfortable in their skin and I'm I'm thrilled that this podcast focuses on the human aspect of people and not just the personal or just the professional or some fraction of who we are. There's just so much dimension to each person and we should all share and listen and respect and appreciate each other more. And I thank you for doing that with me today, putting that out in the world. And I I hope more people can listen, absorb, take that in and be comfortable speaking out, you know, acting out in ways that are genuine. You've been listening to Genuine Humans, brought to you by The Social Element. If you loved what you heard, remember to subscribe or you can find out more at www.thesocialelement.agency.